Hello, this is the World Economic News by Coldwater Economics for Friday the 12th of June. The purpose of this bulletin is, as ever, simply trying to keep you abreast of what's happening in an unexpectedly positive or negative ways in the data from the world's major economies, and I'm doing it because I can't see that anyone else is. Overall, the day produced four surprises but nine shocks, which was enough to shave nine basis points off the Cold Water Global Shocks and Surprises Index, which remains positive at 0.10 standard deviations above neutral. The US and Asia remain positive, Europe negative. In the US, the main event was the preliminary result for the Uni of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Index for June, which recorded a rise of 6.6 points, or 9.1% month-on-month, to 78.9. The driver here was a 10.9% month-on-month rise in expectations to 73.1. Although these beat consensus, it is still only a very partial recovery. At 78.9 in June, the main index is still 0.6 standard deviations below the post-2000 average of 85.8. The outlook index at 73.1 is still 0.4 standard deviations below the long-term average of 78. All in all, this is telling us very much the same story as Tuesday's 3.5-point rise in the NFIB Small Business Optimism Index, which at 94.4 was 0.5 standard deviations below the post-2000 average. In Asia, it was a quiet day, perhaps typified by China's May money and finance data, where rises in M1 and M2 and bank lending were all fairly firmly back in normal territory, following sharp expansions in the previous two months. This suggests that as far as most of the financial system is concerned, coronavirus appears to be receding into the rear mirror. Not so for the government, however, as it raised a record $1.14 trillion in new government bonds, which suggests that direct government spending and financing is beginning to rival the $1.55 trillion raised in new bank loans in May. Europe's data was dominated by the main economic data for April from the UK, which were all predictably, though not predicted, disastrous. Estimated monthly GDP fell 20.4% month-on-month, with industrial production down 20.3%, services down 19%, and construction down 40.1%. Wow! So, how is the UK faring compared to the rest of Europe? Given that the UK locked down towards the end of March, about two weeks later than much of the Eurozone, it's not enough simply to compare April's results on their own. They show that industrial production fell 17.1% month-on-month in the Eurozone and 20.3% in the UK. But on the other hand, Eurozone output fell 11.9% in March, while the UK fell only 4.2%. In other words, there's merely timing differences going on here. Rather, it makes sense to compare the change in output from a time before coronavirus was making its impact, say from January. On this measure, UK industrial output is down 23.8% from January, which is, I think, very similar to what we're seeing in the rest of Europe, given the likely very wide scope for measurement error. During the same period, 
the EU as a whole is down 26.2% and the Eurozone output was down 27%, with Germany down 29.2%, France and Spain both down 32.8% and Italy down 42.7%. Ah, there are some survivors. Ireland is actually up 13.4% on this basis, Finland up 0.5%. I would like to be able to follow this up by comparing changes in trading patterns, but in truth, Britain's monthly trade data is routinely subjected to such violent revisions up or down that right now this data will not bear the weight the analysis would put on it. So if the UK is looking much like the rest of Europe as far as its industrial sector is concerned, Perhaps that monthly GDP fall gives us a way into thinking about what sort of GDP fall we can expect for the year as a whole, both for the UK and, by extension, for the Eurozone. Now, even with the 20.4% month-on-month fall in GDP seen in April, it seems unlikely that the UK is on course for the 11.5% GDP crash scenario envisaged this week by the OECD, which incidentally is presented as something of a best-case scenario with no second wave of COVID occurring. To get to that 11.5% drop for the year, a straight-line trend would require output in December to be still more than 5% lower in December than it was in February. If output manages to regain the levels last seen in February by December, then we'd be looking at a drop of 9.7%. If it takes only six months to recover to February's output levels, the yearly drop looks like around 7.5%. And calculations for the whole of the Eurozone aren't going to be spectacularly different. The OECD forecasts a 2020 GDP fall of 9%, rising to 11.5% if there's a second hit. That's probably a bit cautious for the Eurozone, but far nearer what seems reasonable for the UK than the picture OECD has actually drawn. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. And if you've got something out of it, please help spread the word about the bulletin. If you'd like to know more about cold water economics, please feel free to contact me, Michael Taylor, on mjtcoldwater at fastmail.com. Thank you.